y'all be back to me. Amen. Right. All I can think of is he's singing that song is the way I feel today when I say this robe of flesh is going to drop. I <laughs> just feel like it's going to drop. It's not going to rise, it's just going to drop. All right, here you go. Amen. Thank you for uh, your prayers for us. Thank you for your love offering last week. We really uh, were blessed and appreciate that. Um, I do want you to pray for Josh and I as we travel tomorrow. Pray for Josh. Um, Amen. It's been a long time since I just went to Africa for a trip. I'm not sure I'm preparing him very well. Kind of used to living there myself. I told him, you know, if you, <laughs> you don't understand something, just ask because it's normal for me. So uh, I am, I have been feeling like that today. I'm like, man, I have really told him nothing to prepare. All right, you work on it, and I'll use this microphone for a little while while you work on it. I don't think it's on either. Testing. <laughs> hey, man, it's on now. Something's on. Testing, testing, testing. Okay, this one's on. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14. Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. We're just going to read one verse in Ephesians, and then we're going to turn over to Genesis and read several verses in several different chapters, and then we won't have to turn back to them again. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, let's get back to verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We explained that word earlier. It means methods or the way he comes after us. So part of being able to withstand his methods or the way he comes after us, the roaring lion, seeking whom may devour, that is, stand, have, therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Now turn over to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to read verse 14 and 15. Genesis chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. And it came to pass that when Abraham was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. That's Sarah. The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Now turn over to chapter 17 and verse 17. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said, 
In this in his heart shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear. Now turn over to chapter 18 and verse 11. We're going to read three verses here, chapter 18, verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Am I, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Now look at chapter 20 and verse 2. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, or Gerar, sent and took Sarah. I wanted to preach to you tonight a message just simply girded with truth. Girded with truth. I, to be honest with you, when I started the spiritual warfare series, I wasn't planning to go through a lot of the different parts of the armor of God. But I began to realize as time went and as God led me each week that a lot of the truth He was giving me pertained to the armor of God. So we are going to talk tonight about the girdle being girded with truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I believe this truth is very important in the day and age in which we live. and I need your help tonight as always. For I am weak, but you are strong. I have no ability to change anybody's mind, anybody's heart, anybody's life. I simply am a voice for you, Holy, your Holy Spirit, to speak through me. For I know that your Holy Spirit can change our minds and our hearts and our lives. In the name of Jesus, I bind Satan and his forces from our hearts and our minds tonight. And I bind the spirit of sensuality and pride from our hearts also. And Jesus, I pray that you would do your work. And may those who have ears to hear, hear your truth tonight. I bind Satan off of my heart and my mind, my will in speaking off of my tongue. God, may your spirit speak only that which you would want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Ephesians 6.11, as we mentioned, says the armor, talks about the armor that's going to protect us from the methods of Satan. Then God proceeds to tell, give us that armor. And generally, we can understand from reading that passage of Scripture that God is giving us those different parts of our body to protect ourselves or different weapons or different armor because that is specifically where Satan is going to come after us. We talked a couple weeks ago about helmet of salvation. Who you are in Jesus Christ. Why? Because that is a particular area, a particular method that Satan uses against many, many Christians. He comes after our minds and tries to tell us we're nobody, we're nothing. Yes, in my flesh I am nothing, but in Jesus Christ I have everything. We, saw, we, we, we talk about the breastplate of righteousness. We'll get to that maybe if God wills in the, in the future. But the heart is there. And so we have to protect the heart. So we have to have that on the breastplate of righteousness because out of the heart come the issues of life. The heart is 
desperately wicked, and who can know it? So we have to have that armor. Uh, we talked uh, last week, we talked about the weapon of the Word and how to use the Word of God. This week, we're talking about the, being girded with truth. I spent some time studying that phrase, girded, uh, let your, uh, gir, uh, let's, let's read it, uh, verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. I spent some time looking up those words in English, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the Greek language, studying compared to when those words are used and when. And I think I can very safely say tonight that God is specifically showing us through the meaning of those words and also through the fact that the armor is to protect us from something that is normally a weakness of man. I can safely say that when God says, gird up your loins with truth, He is saying that we guard our morality by truth. You realize that in the absence of truth in our generation, immorality has increased tons. Why? It's the absence of truth. God says to gird, gird up your loins, gird about with truth. Of course we know the Bible is the truth, and the reason why the Bible is truth is because it is reality. It is what God says is real. Satan always comes to us and he tries to take what God says is real and tries to twist it into something that is not real. He took what God created in the Garden of Eden and he made Eve, twisted it around on her, and he made something that was reality, a unreality, and what was not reality in God's eyes and in true reality, he made it a reality in Eve's mind. I think the fact that we often talk about in this generation of virtual, virtual, yeah, virtual morality, virtual, virtual reality, it speaks about us. It speaks about our culture nowadays. Virtual meaning there's no substance to it. It's not real, but there's some parts that appear real. But it's not reality. The definition of truth is this. Conformity, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, conformity to fact or reality. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. Another part of that definition of truth is the true state or facts. The true state of facts or the true state of things. Conformity of words to thought, which is called moral truth. Number four, purity from falsehood. Or number five, correct opinion. I draw your attention to the story we read a little while ago. In, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4, we find out the Bible says that Abraham is 75 and Sarah is 65. And Sarah is taken at the age of 65. They go to Egypt and at the age of 65, Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's, um, Pharaoh's princes see Sarah and they go and tell Pharaoh and they say, hey, there's a nice fair lady in the land and she's not married because Abraham had lied because he wasn't living in reality either. He was living in fear. And he lied about Sarah's age and so therefore they said she's without a husband and she was taken into the courts of Pharaoh. Now, 
It may be that we could say, in looking at this passage of Scripture, the Bible says that these men saw her as fair to look upon. The Bible says that Abraham said, I know you're fair to look upon, therefore I'm worried that somebody's going to kill me and take you as, my, as their wife. And we could say that at age of 65, long time ago, maybe Sarah really did look young. Maybe. We have people often in Ghana that tell me they are 110, 120, 130, sometimes 140 years old. But yet at those ages, Sarah died at 127, at those ages I still have a hard time finding out that a 65-year-old woman would be the prize for some King Pharaoh. And to know that that is reality, we, looked late, we look later in the passage and we read it, where now the Bible says Sarah and Abraham both laugh when God says they're going to have a child because the Bible says they were well stricken in age. In other words, the age was upon them. It was not a question now whether Sarah looked young for her age. Sarah herself says, Abraham says, God says they were well stricken in years. But at the, age of 99, at the age of 90, well stricken in years, the king Abimelech, king of Gerar, takes Sarah into his house to potentially be his wife. I read that a few months ago and I, the thought dawned upon me, that's not reality. It's not reality. I'm going to say some things that are for our, the age of the people in this room tonight, and I'll try to be careful. I know there's a few that are a little younger. But the reality was, if you read the book of Esther and other books like that, that the kings always went searching through the land for the very young women that were without husband. So what would cause Pharaoh at 65 and then Abimelech when Sarah is 90 to seek a lady well stricken in age and take her into the harem. I believe the truth of it is tonight that it was a spirit of deception. God had promised that through Sarah would come Isaac. And through Isaac, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so Satan now, knowing the plan, has to find a way to take care of the plan and destroy it. And so he looks for a man who is probably full of the spirit of immorality and sensuality and deceives his senses into thinking that Sarah is somebody he should bring to himself. Abraham was deceived by the spirit of fear. The Bible says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Abraham's fear made him not think in rationally. But then God, I'm sorry, Satan used 
those in authority in certain wicked places that had a spirit of sensuality and immorality and deceived them, literally, they did not see what was reality. I believe this especially to be true as some years later we find the same king in the same country take Rebecca to try to make her his wife. Why Rebecca? Once again, the Christ child is promised through that line. My point is tonight is that the more we go down through the line in our country away from God, the more there's going to be a spirit of deception, of sensuality and immorality that people will not actually see things as they really are. You and I as Christians, if we are not careful, the doors that we open in our lives can be deceived into seeing things differently than they really are. Satan made things look different than was true, truth and reality. The situation was not true to the state of facts. The situation was not pure from falsehood. I'm saying tonight that if we are going to guard ourselves morally in the age in which we live, we have to wrap ourselves, gird ourselves with God's truth. We have to wrap ourselves with reality. And that reality is stated to us over and over again in the Word of God. Proverbs, for example, often talks about morality issues and young men going after strange women and such. And I often talk to my boys about those things and I say, hey, watch out when she comes with smooth words. Because God says that's how young men are deceived. I wanted to give us tonight two realities that will keep us safe and sanctified from, reality, from immorality. I want us to look at two realities that will keep us safe and sanctified from immorality. Number one, Satan's unrealistic view of sin. Satan's unrealistic view of sin. So what Satan does is he tries to weaken us with the unrealistic view of sin. Let me give you an example. I, I am sure it's around here, although I haven't particularly noticed. I know it's all around Ghana and all around the world wherever I've traveled. But you will see a sign. A sign for an alcoholic beverage. What are you always going to see on the sign where there's an alcoholic beverage advertised? Almost without fail, you're going to see some young, well-built, young, good-looking man that looks like he's having a good time. And number two, you will always find one or more women seductively dressed, looking like they're coming after this young man. And Satan gives us a view and he wants us to accept it 
as truth. But in reality, the truth is, that is not the way it goes. Although it could go that way for a very short time. He doesn't show us reality. Why is there no billboards of the man lying in the hospital dying with his liver gone? Why is there no billboards of the man vomiting in the gutter? Why is there no billboards of the families that are broken? Of the dad that's living underneath an overpass somewhere because he's destroyed his family, he's destroyed his home, he's lost his job, he's lost everything because he wanted to have a good time as he, what he saw as reality. And I'm saying this especially to us second, third, fourth generation Christians after the first generation. The truth is, is that many first generation Christians, they grew up in the world, they, they lived the unrealities, they lived the falsehood of it, they saw it and so they came to Christ, they went away for it, they understand it and they don't want to go back. But for me, people like me, third, fourth generation Christians, on my dad's side first, on my mom's side, many generations of Christians later, we see the glamour of sin, but we rarely see the reality of sin. I'll tell you one thing that will help your child to see the reality of sin. Go into the communities. Take them soul winning. Take them bus calling. Go and help the homeless. Go and help some of the people that are destitute. And you don't even have to say anything. Just let them see what sin does and they won't want it. I specifically remember a man in Ghana that had gotten saved and he was going in a good direction. And Then he went to a family funeral and got drunk and got back into drunkenness. And We didn't know it and I took my family over there to visit him and he was as drunk as drunk could be. He was making such a fool of himself it almost made me cry because my children kept looking at me at, Dad, what's wrong with this man? We got in the car and we drove away and the children started saying, Dad, Dad, he was acting crazy. Daddy was, he was not being normal. He was acting very weird. And I, and I told him that day, I said, if you don't ever want to get to where he was, then don't touch alcohol. That's reality. But in pertaining to our morality, let's just give us some real thinking tonight and help us to think about it in real ways, in truth. A woman works in the office. She always comes dressed up. She always comes to work with her hair done perfectly, her makeup perfectly, or her outfit perfect, and she's always got a smile on her face, and she always has something good to say because she's there to work. A man sitting there in his office sees this woman day in and day out, and he just comes from home, and his wife has 
has a bunch of kids and his wife is, is sick from, from morning sickness like mine and uh, he, she she's, doesn't wake up just looking all with all her makeup on as Hollywood portrays it and, and has her hair just all done just as soon as she wakes up and when you wake up in the morning it's like ah! <laughs> it's reality and she doesn't look like that woman. She's not always smiling. She's not always happy. She's weary sometimes. She's tired sometimes. She's sick sometimes. But the man sits there day after day and has positive interaction with this woman that is not his wife. And in his mind, Satan starts telling him a lie. And he starts saying, wouldn't you like a wife that was like her? And how many men have fallen to affairs because of the lack of truth? You can swap it around and say that as the woman's in the workplace, the man comes in and he always compliments her on how she looks and he always is kind to her and he's always looking out for her and he's always uh, talking to her kindly and he never says a cross word and he never disagrees with her. And, and she starts looking at that man saying, man, I wish my husband was like this man. The reality is, is that all of us are humanity. All of us are imperfect human beings. All of us have our strengths and our weaknesses. All of us look up scary sometimes. All of us have bad breath in the morning, except for my wife. All of us uh, wear shoes that stink. That is men. We have smelly feet. That's reality. But Satan comes to us with lack of reality. And he deceives us. Usually, he opens the door to this because we've been talking about opening and closing doors through sensuality. When we bring in sensuality, that's why when we said closing the doors, we put on sensual movies. Sensual meaning that which stirs our lust. Because when we began seeing things through sensuality, they always look better than reality. If we, don't look through, if we don't look through spiritual eyes, we won't see things as they really are. And so Satan tempts us to open a door of sensuality, and through that door, he tries to bring a, a false reality or a virtual reality that's not truth, it's not reality, and thereby he can deceive us when he chooses in the future. In our day and age in which we live, one of the biggest doors that Satan gets us to open to bring about a lack of reality is pornography. Because it is not reality. But it makes those involved dissatisfied with reality. I won't go into more detail, but I think you know what I'm saying. Those involved obtain unrealistic desires, and they can't view their spouse anymore through realistic eyes. What does Satan do in the unrealistic view of sin? Of course, he opens the door the widest in our life through immorality. What takes a man so low 
to such a filthy place and such a vile place that he would consider going after a prostitute. Generally, it's a long road of sensuality, pornography, immorality. And it warps the true sight into something that is not real. Movies, billboards, magazines, TV, commercials, you can name it. They're all about giving us what is not reality. They're doctoring things up. Things are fake in the first place. Whatever. It's not reality. I remember one time as, a, as we were driving around this country. I remember seeing a very older old lady. Very scary. And yet I saw truckers stopping for her. And I remember thinking, that doesn't make sense. What happens? There's no truth. There's no reality. The, the reality is, men, the adulteress will hunt the precious life. It's a promise of God. I remember sitting in my language school in Germany. I told everybody on the first day I came to class that I'm a pastor. Before Gottes Gemeinde in Nuremberg. Every day I went, I brought a picture and I set it in front of me of me, myself and my family. But yet, I witnessed the adulteress hunting for the precious life. I remember one day in particular, I went home and I told my wife, I said, there's a certain lady in my language school class and this is what's, what she's trying to do to entice me and I'm letting you know because I want to be accountable because I don't want to be fallen prey to that. Because what, here's what Satan does. Satan says to us, hey, you still got it. Hey, you haven't lost it. 38 years old, but hey. <laughs> That's not reality. Reality is, is for that young lady that wanted to come after me, the reality for her is the moment that she has me, she's lost everything that I am. 
Whatever she saw that she thought she desired, whether I was a good husband or a, a, I, had, I was a father of children or whatever, I was a, had a position or an influence or whatever it was, the reality is the moment that I lose that, what is there? And the reality for me was the adulteress will hunt the precious life. There is nothing about me. It is the fact that Satan has taken somebody that has unrealistic thoughts and he's deceived them into saying, that's what you want. That's reality. Satan tempts us with an unrealistic view of sin. Number two, Satan tempts us with an unrealistic view of moral strength. For some, he may tempt us with the deception, with that unrealistic view, with that lack of truth. But for others, he knows where they are. And so he tempts them to say, to think, you're strong enough that you won't be affected. What am I saying tonight? I'm saying it is unrealistic to think that any man is invulnerable. It is unrealistic to think that any woman, any child, any boy, any girl, any young man, any young woman, it's unrealistic to think that any of us are invulnerable. It is unrealistic to think that we are strong enough to handle fire and not get burned. What we in reality should view ourselves as is someone who at any, any time could be deceived by Satan. Any time. If we get to the place where we think we're strong enough, we're weak. We should view ourselves as someone who is at any point very vulnerable. I believe we should view ourselves as Christians, as children of God, in the light of God's Word and with reality. And number one, not to try to pretend that things aren't real, uh, that, that are real, but also that we shouldn't think that, hey, we are secure. We're morally above those things. Hey, I can do these things and it won't affect me because I am strong enough. No, to my friend, don't think so It is dangerous when we as Christians and we have a group that is sanctified and set apart. Praise God for that. We're much safer there. But the temptation that will come once we get there is this. Mr. So-and-so. Mr. Pius. I would never stoop so low. And a lot of times, when we're faced with realities, with each other, or even maybe with our children, for example, we want to pretend those realities aren't there. 
And I beg you, if, we, if you have family here tonight, don't take the realities of the what's in the world today and push it away as though it doesn't exist because we're Christians, it doesn't exist. It exists. One of the very common questions I have in Ghana with, I had it at the beginning of each church, but anytime we have people that come and get saved and then they start growing in Christ, one of the first questions is, Pastor, why don't we dance in our church? Pastor, why don't we have drums and why don't we have fun like the other churches? And I give them reality. And I'm going to tell you tonight what I tell them. This is reality. I say, you know what? I'm not necessarily against drums. I'm not necessarily against dancing. But I'm against sin. And reality is that God made men to like to watch beautiful women dance. That's reality. And I've got men that come to church weary and tired from fighting the spirit of sensuality all week. And I don't want them to come to church and have to fight it in church. I want them to come to church and see the women dressed modestly in God's way and just be like, thank God. Because reality is that it's a temptation, could be a temptation for any man. And I tell them that. My family and I went to a wedding for one of our church people. It wasn't done by us, but we were invited and I was supposed to give a prayer or something. And I was concerned from the beginning because of the kind of church it was, but we decided that we were going to go and thought a wedding would be somewhat normal. I was sitting on the platform and they called out their praise and worship team. At first about four or five ladies that were pretty modestly dressed got out their tambourines and began to stand in a circle and do their tambourines and sway a little bit. And I said, we're okay. Within a couple minutes... In that particular church, about the first two or three pews would be not, they weren't there. In about a couple minutes, that whole space was filled with women that were not dressed modestly, they were dancing very, even vulgarly. I got up and walked out. And I told my children, come on. When they quit dancing, we walked back inside. A little while later, they started dancing. We got up and we walked out. I remember that night, or when we walked back in, the pastor not realizing that I could hear quite a bit of what he was saying in the, in the, in the local language, he said, don't, don't worry about it, folks, it's just that they don't understand our culture. And so that Sunday, I once again reminded my people, and I said, the truth is, is that there are a lot of things in American culture that I can't partake of. And there's things in Ghanaian culture you shouldn't partake of. And when it comes to sin, 
they shouldn't be a part of our Christian culture. Because the reality is a man cannot take fire into his bosom and not get burned. What we need to do tonight is to think through our lives and ask God, help me to see through your eyes reality. And the truth is, is as you begin to memorize Romans 6, other scriptures, the truth, reality, is going to become part of your heart and your mind. And the more it becomes a part of you, the more when you see what Satan tries to deceive you with, you will quickly realize that is not reality. The world doesn't see it. They don't see it. But we should, because we have God's truth. Stand therefore, talking about the evil day. Stand therefore in the evil day with your loins girt about with truth. Let us beg God that we would never get to the place of where we see in the Bible where we were so, they are so far from reality like the story of Abraham and Sarah. But we would see things exactly as they really are. Let's bow our head and close our eyes.